media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Jeff gave away all the gifts, so I don't have a, a, a present for you if you if you win this little contest. Uh, but I want to say, who was closest to the finish line when they found a gift for a significant other? It could be a child, it could be a husband, wife, a spouse, it could be mom or dad. But uh, how many of you have waited sometimes to the last day? Let's just get the last day. Okay, some. Okay, how many have down to the last twelve hours? Okay, still have a. Okay, six hours. Do we have anybody? I mean, six hours. Stores are about to close. Walmart shoppers, please, you know, get all your stuff together, you know, and, and you're still looking. Anybody six hours? Okay. We'll pray for you, brother. And I hope that that wasn't this year. hope that wasn't this year. You know, when we think about the perfect gift, isn't that a lot of stress? And I don't know if I have more stress now as a parent to get that perfect gift for your kids as they were growing up, or now as a grandparent to get that perfect gift for your grandkids. It's just something that you know that they're going to love and appreciate. And I can remember when Carly and I were first dating, you know, you wanted to impress her. And I had hopes that there would be more than just boyfriend, girlfriend down the road. And so, you know, you're, you're putting a lot of thought and you're putting a lot of time and everything. And one thing that I found out from the very beginning, that if you want the perfect gift, or at least as perfect as you can get it, that it has to be prepared. That waiting to the last minute just doesn't work. We've all had to do that before. I mean, have you ever had to do something where, you know, some friends brought you a present and you had to go to the present closet and find one for them, you know, just so that you could be reciprocal in that. And so it was one of those things, you know, you want to be prepared. When God gave us Christ, the perfect gift for all mankind, it was a prepared gift. We read it before. Look at it again. First Peter. I'll, I'll, I'll read it this time, but follow along. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And this is the part I really want you to see this morning. I, I want you to see this evening that, that it was a prepared gift. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. How amazing is this prepared gift? Has it ever occurred to you that God never reacts? He doesn't have to react. He has all knowledge. If you had all knowledge, you wouldn't react because you would already know what's coming. And yet we see this in such a personal way that God has this answer for our sin, before there's even an Adam and Eve and before there's a rebellion of trusting their own hearts instead of the word of God, and before sin and the fall comes in the world, God already has an answer. You and I, most of the time, we react to our problems. Something happens, an accident, and then we react to it. This situation comes up and we react to it. And God already prepared this perfect gift. He doesn't run off to the last minute. He doesn't sit there and wait for the injury of our sin to happen. But he prepared before the foundation of the world that he would give us this great gift. 
Well, there's an ele- another element of, of a good gift, and, and that is practical. Uh, you know, sometimes you get gifts and they're not really practical. Now, we have to be careful. This is a little tricky because, in one way, motor oil, if you have a car, isn't motor oil a practical gift? I mean, it would be practical. It really wouldn't be appreciated if I got my wife, you know, five quarts of, you know, the, of the next oil change, you know. And so we have to be careful with the practical part of it. But at the same time, have you ever got a gift? And, and if somebody is here that gave you that gift, don't tell them. But if you haven't got a gift and the last time you touched it is when you put it in the drawer and it's been two, three, five, ten, twenty years, it's in that closet. And it's not because it wasn't appreciated. You know, it's the thought that counts. But it just wasn't practical. It wasn't really something that you needed. Well, when God gives the perfect gift of his son, it was really needed. Look what it says in Romans 5, 6. For why we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God, seeing our need, doesn't respond because he's already responded before the foundation of the world. But we begin to notice. Peter says, in the last days, it became you became aware of God's answer. It's a gift that is prepared. It's a gift that's practical. See, the only way that we can have a right relationship with holy God, even though he loves the world and he loves all of us, is that he had designed that he said, okay, this is my answer to this wall of sin that separates us. And so the most practical gift that we could ever get, oh, you could say spiritual, you could say theological, you could tell, but it's practical, guys. If you're going to have a relationship with the holy God, if you want to spend the rest of eternity with this holy God, then he gives us the most practical gift, his only son, perfect in every way to meet the biggest need of our lives. There's one other thing. A perfect gift is, is a prepared gift. It's thought of far beyond we would even see the need. It's, it's practical in its nature and that it really meets to something that, that we would need. But it's also a personal gift. And somebody has, has anybody made something for you before? Sometimes uh, Robert's made me cakes before for Christmas and, and different things like that. And somebody makes something for you. It's got your name maybe even, you know, embroidered on there and you go, okay, that's personal. You know, this gift is for me. It's not for anybody else in the world. And you can appreciate that gift because it's personal in nature. When God provided for us the perfect gift, Christ's Son, it is so personal in nature. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And it sounds kind of really generic at first. Okay, God has this answer. It's practical. But folks, it just got really personal. Why does God continually use this picture of adoption throughout the New Testament Testament to talk about the relationship that, that you and I can have with him, that he has adopted us? You know, one thing about adoption, some of you have adopted before, and and you chose. You chose. And God chose you. 
This perfect gift. God, God knew Bobby Lincoln's. Long before Bobby Lincoln's was a sparkle in, the, in his mom's eye, he knew my need. He had prepared it. It was practical. He knew that I would be a sinner. I would be born into that sin nature. And in order to have a right relationship with him, a holy God, that I would need an answer. I would need an Antonian sacrifice. As we've been looking at on Sundays, a substitution. And Christ was that lamb. But it gets really personal when he said that he will adopt us. He chooses me. And I pray this evening that it, as you think about that perfect gift and maybe think about the, all the different gifts that you're going to get and maybe even the stress of finding the exact right gift, that you understand that when God gave you Christ, he did give you a, a perfect gift in every way, prepared before the foundation of the world, practical in that it needs the deepest need of our lives and so personal that he knew you by name. I had a friend one time, and he said, Pastor Bobby, and he was a man of God, deep in his word. And even being deep in his word and loving Christ well, he said, one of the most overwhelming things to me in my spiritual life. He said, I have no problem that Christ would come and die for the sins of the world. He said, I have no problem with that. He said, what amazes me, what overwhelms me is that Christ would come and die for me. That it gets that personal. That it's not this generic gift. But that he has you in mind. And he gives this gift to you personally. I pray this Christmas season that you know that gift. I pray that you walk in that gift. Parents, I pray that you would have homes where the gospel is just the foundation. So that your sons and daughters, as God would bless you with children... They would be surrounded to know that this gift from God is prepared before the foundation of the world. It's practical for them, but it is personal. As little Johnny and little Sally and all the, the different ones, as they would see their need in their life, that they would know that God personally, individually, knows them and has provided Christ for them. It's kind of amazing when you think about it. This evening, we're going to have a word of prayer in just a moment. And um, A couple of years ago, we looked at the background of the story of O Holy Night that we just sang. And it's incredible when you look at some of these older songs that we've been singing for centuries now, and you see the background of some of the stories. Tonight, we're going to look at the background of Silent Night. It may be somewhat familiar to some of you, but it's an incredible story of how God used people, not even people that really were dedicated and sold out to them in in all different ways, but just different people. In this uh, case, it is a a minister, and it is somebody who had uh, responsibilities within the church, and yet God involved all these different people to come together to bring in this song, Silent Night. So let's look at that background of that story, and then at the very end, we're going to do our traditional candle lighting and, and sing together that song. But I hope that you enjoy uh, the rest of the story and the background of this beautiful song. Even though Silent Night is one of the most popular songs in history, the fact that we know it at all is a miracle. Created out of necessity and performed in a tiny village on a solitary Christmas Eve, 
by two ordinary Austrians in a tiny choir. This incredibly beautiful and simple carol owes its debt to an organ <laughs> that wouldn't play and a priest who wouldn't hold mass without special music. In 1818, 25-year-old Joseph Moore was the assistant priest at St. Nicholas Church in Obendorf, Austria. During an extremely cold winter, Moore was making last-minute preparations for a special Christmas Eve Mass, a service he'd been planning for months. And as he cleaned and readied the sanctuary, the priest encountered an unfathomable dilemma. St. Nicholas's organ would not play. A frantic Moore struggled with the old instrument for hours, making adjustments, fiddling with the keys, stops, pedals, even crawling behind the console to see if he could find the problem. In spite of his efforts, the organ remained silent, its voice as still as a dark winter's night. Realizing he could do nothing else, the priest paused and prayed for inspiration. He asked God to show him a way to bring music to his congregation on the year's most meaningful day of worship. Moore would find the answer to his prayer, born from events almost two years before St. Nicholas's organ played out. In 1816, Moore had written a Christmas poem, Six Unadorned Stanzas, inspired on a winter's walk from his grandfather's home to the church. It lacked a melody, and he had never shared it with anyone. Moore dug the poem, Still Leinacht, Heilige Nacht, from his desk and read over the words he had written two years before. Up until then, the verses hadn't meant that much to him, but as he saw them again, it was as if the Lord was tossing him a lifeline of hope. He shoved the worn paper into his coat pocket and rushed out into the night. Only hours before the Christmas Eve midnight mass, the priest fought his way through snow-covered streets. Franz Gruber was a 31-year-old schoolteacher and a modest musician who attended St. Nicholas's Church. And as he struggled to stay warm in his drafty apartment over the schoolhouse, he heard an insistent knock at the door. He must have been surprised to open it and find Father Moore on the other side. By that time, the priest should have been busy preparing for services, not visiting old friends. After a quick Merry Christmas, Father Moore pulled the teacher to a small table and explained the problem they faced. After he convinced Franz nothing could be done to fix the organ, Moore showed him his poem. Can you write music to these words that can be easily learned by our choir? Moore asked. Without the organ, I guess the song will have to be played on a guitar. The priest looked at the clock, saying, Please, Franz, the time is so short. Studying the poem, Franz nodded his head. He had a look in his eye and a smile on his face that let the priest know he was up to the challenge. Confident again that God had a special plan for this night, Moore raced back across the snow to the church, leaving Gruber alone with his thoughts, a ticking clock, and a prayer of inspiration. A few hours later, the two friends met at St. Nicholas, and there, in a candlelit sanctuary, Gruber shared his new music with Moore. The priest approved. After learning the guitar chords, rushed it to the choir members, waiting to rehearse. What should have taken weeks was accomplished in hours. In the little time they had, Gruber and Moore taught the choir members the four-part harmonies to the last two lines of each verse. 
Just after midnight, Moore and Gruber stood in front of the main altar and introduced their simple little song. As they sang, they couldn't have guessed that Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, would be remembered not only the next Christmas in their small village, but almost 200 years later around the world. Despite its popularity, Silent Night remains in most minds what it was written to be, a simple, direct song of praise. Created to make a Christmas service more meaningful, it's as fresh today as it was that night at St. Nicholas's Church. As we hear the words, our thoughts return to another night when the world had seemingly gone dark, when hope had been silenced, when all of humanity's best efforts had come up short, a night when mankind received the greatest gift of all, a baby born to peasants, laid in a simple manger, the Savior of the world, God with us, Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, in the business of life, Father, we find ourselves sometimes coming into a, a point of crisis, Father, just as we hear this story. And then all of a sudden, Father, in the midst of all that anxiety and all that pressure, Father, in the beauty of a simple song, in the silence of night, Father, in the darkness of a cool evening, you bring us hope because you bring us a reminder that in all this chaos and in all this craziness, you've provided an answer your son. Father, we thank you that even in the silent times of our, ni- of our lives, Father, that you're working. Father, we thank you that even in the chaos and the craziness and the unknown, that you have a plan. And Father, we thank you that even in all of our failures and all of the, the times that, Father, we have been disobedient and, Father, in many ways, not only failed you, but, Father, maybe even failed others around us, that you had an answer for our sin. Father, thank you for the perfect gift of Christ and thank you for bringing him that silent night. And Father, as we would close this service this evening, Father, and as we would take uh, the light from a candle and pass it around the room, Father, thank you that you've given us that opportunity to share your love and the hope, Father, of not just this season, but, Father, the hope of all of life that Christ was born so that you could call us your sons and your daughters. We love you. We thank you. And now, Father, in this symbolic way, Father, we we share our hearts, our lives, our love, and our hope this Christmas season with our family, with our friends, and with our neighbors. Father, we love you, and we thank you. And we pray this in this silent night. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.